Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Skewered Universe podcast. My name is Jeff, your host. For those of you that don't know, this is just a podcast where I typically rant about something or cover a movie, talk about video games, pretty much whatever the hell I want to talk about. Those of you who have listened, yeah, I know, I'm putting out another episode fairly quick. Pretty amazing for, uh, for what we do over here, you know? Anyway, I'm glad to be back behind the microphone today. Before we get into the show proper, just want to talk about some things that I've been watching, some things that's going on. You know, basically what's happening in the Skewered universe. So I'm sure a lot of you, like myself, have watched the Marvel shows on Netflix. I recently finished up Punisher Season 2, or the final season as we now know it is. And holy fuck, was it amazing. From the first episode all the way until the end, I was completely in. It picked up where the last, where the first season left off, and it just amped up slowly to where the end, where they left it. I'm just like, damn, this sucks because I want fucking more of The Punisher. John Bernthal is perhaps the best on-screen portrayal of the Punisher we have got. And I love the Thomas Jane version, but sitting here and watching this entire season and seeing what he goes through and just seeing how he plays the character, it was fucking awesome. Now that being said, before that I had checked out the third season of Daredevil which ended up being its final season as well. As we all know by now, the Marvel shows on Netflix have all been canceled. Which sucks, but I kind of see it because Disney's probably going to put them on their own streaming service. Anyway, the third season of Daredevil is probably my favorite season out of all three. And I loved all I loved the first and second season immensely. Very well done. The fight choreography, the story, the acting, everything is solid in those first two seasons of Daredevil. But the the third season, and I'm just going to touch a little bit here. I'm not giving spoilers for these shows because I really think if you haven't watched them and you have Netflix and you're interested, go check them out. If you can sit there and binge Friends or whatever else is on Netflix, you can binge the Marvel shows. They, They go quick. They are just... Like that. And yes, I snapped into the microphone. When we see the third season, it's sort of... It happens after The Defenders. And we see Matt Murdock kind of in a conflicted state about his faith. His Catholic faith and what he's doing. And just seeing the whole thing and... The portrayal of Bullseye was awesome. It's not really giving anything away. They kind of... You know, not too far into the season, let you know that, hey, this is bullseye in a roundabout way. But one of the highlights of the show has got to be Vincent motherfucking D'Onofrio as the kingpin. It's it's the best casting that I've seen. That That whole thing, his portrayal of the character, his tortured soul, and yet his anger and his, his want to save the city yet in such a different way than daredevil wants to just two sides of the same coin 
So check out the the Netflix Marvel shows. They're they're all really really good. I even enjoyed Iron Fist seasons one and two. And I know there's lots of people out there who read the comics and were like, it's not very faithful, this guy kind of sucks, the martial arts action isn't that great. I had fun with it. That being said, I never read the comics growing up. My comic book exposure as a kid was Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, X-Men, Wolverine, things like that. So I didn't dive too far into some of the other stuff. I'm learning about all that stuff now. And have been over the last several years. Especially with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the characters there. But I digress. Recently, Season 3 of Jessica Jones was released. And I'm going to be getting into that here very soon. Not on the show. Watching it. I'm not talking about it because I haven't seen it yet. From what I've seen of the trailer, it actually looks pretty damn good. And I'm excited. I've liked the previous two seasons of Jessica Jones. I know some people, it's not their thing, it's kind of different, it's not really superhero, because it's more, I guess, crime-solving, private eye kind of stuff, but they throw in some superhero shit. And I'm pausing here for no reason other than I'm trying to get my thoughts straight here. I should have take, taken notes, but... Uh, it's kind of stream of consciousness here at Skewered Universe. Those who have listened know that. Those who haven't been listening or just started with this episode, go back and listen to the first one and you'll you'll see. It's, it's very much off the cuff. I just kind of, whatever pops into my head. Uh, Luke, the Luke Cage show. The, the two seasons of Luke Cage that are out there, those are, those are really, really well done. And season two left us with so many questions for season three and then... A couple of weeks after, it was like, oh, hey, you know that show you really like, Luke Cage? Yeah, it's been canceled. Now, my own opinion is Disney canceled the shows with Netflix. This is what I feel because they've been touting their streaming service that's coming in, I believe, November of this year. Now, lots of people have said, well, no, Netflix made the decision and it had nothing to do with Disney's streaming service. But if you really, in my opinion, if you really look at the bigger picture, what does Disney have to gain having their Marvel shows on Netflix? Absolutely nothing. What does Disney have to gain putting them on their own streaming service? Everything. Because even people who don't want to watch all the Disney content they put on there... There are people who will want to subscribe for the Marvel films and the Marvel television shows. Now, if Disney's able to get those rights back from Netflix for the TV shows, which I'm sure they probably own it in some way, just have Netflix distributing the shows. I'm not entirely certain. I'm not going to dig into the, the logistics of everything, but somehow I think those shows are going to transition over to the Disney service at some point because they're going to leave Netflix. Bottom line, at some point, they're going to leave, leave Netflix. Probably a month or so after Jessica Jones has been released, maybe maybe the end of the year, I don't know, they're going to go away. So I would say right now, take the time while they're on Netflix, if you have it, and watch them. They're good. Even The Defenders is good. And some of you were like, eh, I wished for more. But you know what? It was, it was what I wanted. It was all the Marvel television heroes coming together and doing their thing. Trying to think what else has been going on. 
Well, I confirmed everything and scheduled my time off to go back home for the 4th of July. So I have my rental car, so on Wednesday, July 3rd, I pick that up, and then around 9 a.m., I'm going to head out from Arizona back to the wonderful state of California. And I know that sounds sarcastic, and it kind of is. I've, I've grown tired of California. At the same time, I've also grown tired of Arizona. It's hot, and the state's literally on fire. Which I guess they that it has in common with California, because California is typically on fire every summer, so... It's a lot like being home, just being away from friends and family and my movie library, my PS4. Yeah, I don't have my PS4 here. There's no hookup for it, so. And my fiance, Leanne, who you've heard on the show before, it was it was nice of her to suggest. She goes, well, maybe the next time you're out here, you can take the PS4 and leave your Nintendo Switch. And then, you know, whatever, we go back and forth any, every time or whenever i told her i said there's no way for me to hook it up the hdtv here is one of those that was before they started putting hdmi cables in it and the people i'm staying with he's very protective of his tv and his audio equipment which i understand so i'm not going to go trying to pull the tv out to see if there's one in the back so i'm not hooking up the ps4 i'm not bringing it here <laughs> and it sucks because i wouldn't mind getting in some gta 5 time you know it's it's been a while since i've played the last few times i've been home and i've played has been a little bit because there's there's nobody on that i know playing it right now so i think maybe the next time i'm there over the fourth of july weekend i'll schedule some time with my buddy eddie see if he can get online and we'll just blow some fucking shit up in los santos <laughs> uh, i've been going back through mst3k the Return on Netflix. Yeah, this is a very Netflix-heavy heavy beginning to the show so far, isn't it? But I decided I wanted to go back, kind of watch through some of those movies again, because I just haven't had the time really to sit down and focus on a new movie. And today I have the house all to myself, which is why I'm recording. Saturday, June 22nd, I have the place all to myself. Do you think I could find a movie to put on that I could watch and cover for the show? Fuck no, because there's too many goddamn choices. But when I'm home for the 4th of July, you guys are going to get an episode. Probably covering a new movie. I may convince my fiancé to let us rent us and watch it since we didn't get a chance to go to the theater together and see it. Since we're several states apart. (laughs) Which sucks, because I like the theater we go to, because it's the dine-in, and there's not a lot of trouble. It's, it's a nice experience to watch movies in. But anyway, July 4th, that weekend, we're going to record, and I'm going to put something out. I'll be in my regular studio, so it'll probably sound a little bit better than this sounds. Although I'm doing my best to clean up the audio for you guys. What else have I been checking out here? Went through the last few, uh, I still have a few episodes of the Joe Bob last drive-in on Shutter to go through. I started Demon Wind and just never got back into it because, <laughs> oh man, is it starting out really terrible, really terrible. But like I said, last time I recorded some of you guys, I watched Wolf Cop and made my fiance watch Wolf Cop. 
So I think that does it for what's going on here in the Skewered Universe. So let's, uh, let's take a brief pause here, and we'll get into the show proper, where I'm just going to talk about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Why? Because I love that movie. You may be asking, well, but what's so good about it? Everything. So let's, uh, let's pause for a second, and we'll come right back to the main show for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It was a night like any other night. Then something happened. You see that? Something different. It's not a shooting star. Why here? Why now? Why clowns? They've been knocking them dead all over the universe. What are you gonna do? Knock my block off? Soon they'll be doing it at a theater near you. Killer clowns from outer space. Maybe they're just cruising through the galaxy and stopped here for a bite to eat. You don't need a police pal, you need a psychiatrist. Uh-oh. They want to play games? They're messing with the wrong guy. What are you in for? Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's crazy. All right, so you just heard the trailer for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. The movie from the Kyoto Brothers from 1988. A movie that I found on HBO with my dad, of all people. Probably in the... uh, Early to mid-90s, so a few years after it was out. And it is so ridiculous, so over the top, and it's it's really, really fun. So to start out, we have Mike Tobacco, our main character, and his girlfriend, Debbie. They're up at this, like, lover's lane type place, and we see a shooting star fly across the sky... And like every typical white person in a horror movie, Mike's like, let's go see what it is. So they do. Which I guess there'd be no movie if they didn't go because they'd just go back home, do whatever they do. (laughs) I'm assuming the things that boyfriend and girlfriends do. But hey, you never know. They could be into some weird shit. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. They get up there, but just before they get there, we see an old man, an old man and his dog, Pooh Bear, stumbling across a circus tent. This old man is played by Royal Dano. You may know him from tons of old Western movies. 
an actor who has a long resume. So he's there. His dog disappears. He sees one of the clowns. Ends up saying he's going to tear... He dies by electrocuting by grabbing one of the cables because he wants to tear the circus tent down. This isn't really intricate to the plot, but just so you know where it's at. So Mike and Debbie show up. They see the circus tent. And he's <laughs> Mike is really a dumbass. So Debbie's like, we probably shouldn't go inside. And he's like, no, this is one of them European circuses. Let's go check it out. He's... <laughs> He's really an idiot, but he's kind of a lovable idiot with the fact that he's so dumb. So they go inside and they see all this crazy shit. And the Kyotos did so much with so little money to create the sets and the effects for this film. So they go in, they end up going through this like elevator thing. And they see... <laughs> what they see first... I believe one of the things they stumble across is like this power core. Which is brilliantly done with some animation and some matte painting, which matte painting is an art that has kind of fallen to the wayside in movies right now. And I wish it would come back because this painting, it's, it's brilliant, this scene, as you get the depth and everything of where they're at. So they're like, okay, well, Mike finally realizes maybe this isn't a good thing. They get, they run around, go back through these elevator things, end up in the cotton candy room where they see these big things of cotton candy. Actually, no, at this point, Mike is still not convinced. <laughs> He's like, oh, the power plant thing. He's like, oh, it's just some weird shit. Let's keep going. They see the cotton candy. He's like, this must be where they hang out the cotton candy to dry. Now, I don't know if any of you out there have made cotton candy. I worked at Knott's Berry Farm for several years. I made cotton candy. There's no drying out of cotton candy. It's heated sugar that spins around and turns into strands and you roll it up on a stick. So apparently this guy's ever never even had cotton candy or he's just that stupid. So anyway, they're trying to figure out what's going on and they bump into one of these cotton candy cocoon things, grab some of it, and there's a face in there. There's a face of a person, bloody, like they're being dissolved in this cotton candy. Which actually turns out to be true, because they hear someone coming, and it is one of our titular killer clowns from outer space. Goes in, pumps us, pops a straw into one of the cocoons, and just starts drinking blood. And from there, <laughs> things start going crazy. Mike and Debbie get out after being chased by clowns with popcorn guns and an invisible dog on a leash. Let's pause for a bit for me to get some water here. And if you could hear me swallow that water, tough shit, it's staying in. So they go to the local police, who apparently the, <laughs> the cop they speak to, and I'm looking up his name here so I can see exactly who he is, Dave is Debbie's ex-boyfriend. And she has way more chemistry with him than she does with Mike. And it seems like, this whole time, it seems like they're going to get back together and Mike is just the guy she's with to make him jealous. But, <laughs> subplot aside, 
they go there trying to convince Dave that there's some weird shit's happening and there's these clowns putting people in cotton candy cocoons. And of course, the great John Vernon walks in, and I have it on in the background, so I'm kind of giving you some stuff as I'm watching it here. Watching it is more of a refresher, even though I've seen it probably 15, 20 times. Walks in and just in his way, just is like, oh, yeah, of course, because Killer Clown just said. John Vernon as Mooney in this is so great. Because he doesn't want to believe any of these kids' bullshit. He's fed up with this town of Crescent Cove. With these college kids who run around doing whatever. He's, he's over it. He's that cop that's over everything. He's just like, oh, well, oh, he's kind of a smart-ass dick. But he's so, so good. So they don't have a really good time convincing Mooney of anything. And Dave is kind of like, eh, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. But Debbie should go home. Mike, you come with me. Oh, and I completely... Let me, let me rewind here for a second because there are two characters that I have to mention. The Terenzi brothers. That's who I think they are. Give me a second. I will tell you exactly. Yes, the Terenzi brothers. These guys show up at the Lover's Lane spot in an ice cream truck. Their whole thing is they're selling ice cream so they can get fucking laid. <laughs> they show up. They give this spiel. <laughs> You know, a tasty treat for while you screw. And it's... They're, they're the main comic relief of the film. And they're really funny. But in this scene, as they get back into their ice cream truck, there are two women they have with them in hopes of... I'll just say it, getting pussy that night. <laughs> These two women, you can tell they must have just been hired... Because they fit the look for the parts. And one of them keeps looking every so often at the camera. At one point, she looks directly in the camera. And there's there was probably no way of getting a second take of that. And I had to touch on that. The Terenzi brothers, they, they come back later in this film. So, after they go to Dave, Dave says, okay, we'll check it out. Mike's coming with me. Debbie, you're going home. Now we see the clowns just going through the town, putting on puppet shows in random park gazebos and taking people. They're going to this little burger joint that's clown-themed, and this one part gets really, really dark. There's this little girl inside, and she sees the clown, and he waves at her, and she waves back, and he's trying to coax her outside. He's doing the little finger like, come here, come here. And he damn near gets her out of the damn restaurant into this little play area, parking lot, entranceway thing out just outside the burger joint. But her mom stops her. But what we see behind the clown's back is a giant cartoonish mallet. It's like, what exactly was he going to do with that fucking kid? It was, it was really kind of dark. <laughs> but at the same time... I guess it shows that these guys have no prejudice against killing anyone that they come across. We see another clown going to a drugstore, and actually there's, I think, a duo of clowns going to this drugstore. The little one with the green hair. 
is in there. I think the little one was in there. No, no, no. The little one's somewhere else. This is just the tall one. It's one in the drugstore. Sorry, I have it on, but it's partially blocked, and I haven't watched it in about a year. So we have one going into a drugstore after he stood out front and was doing... Remember the old, uh, like, animatronic statues? They would just kind of move, and their upper body would move back and forth, and they'd wave, and their head would move up, and they just do the same motions back and forth in a cycle. One clown is doing that outside of this drugstore when people are walking by. And then he decides, I'm going to go in and see what they got. He's going through products. The shopkeeper is old and scared shitless. He's going through products. He's got a couple of people wrapped up in cotton candy. You see their feet sticking out with their shoes. And it's just... It's an entire montage for a while of these clowns going through intercut with Mike and Dave seeing what's happening. Like, just now, they showed up to this woman's house. <laughs> this woman in her lingerie answering the door for pizza. She's like, oh, okay. Like, she was waiting for somebody to come over. To, who knows? Who knows what she was waiting for? She could have just been in her nightgown drinking wine. You know, and women do that. And there's one, there's a couple holding the pizzas, and the little guy, the smallest one of the bunch, jumps up and just shoots her with a gun. And I don't know if it was cotton candy or a balloon at this point, because they kind of go back and forth between the two. So we're seeing all sorts of stuff happen. The clowns are just terrassing through this town, just killing people left and right. And it's really fun, the, the creativity with how they're killing people. I mean, there's a scene where the smallest of the clowns is riding a tricycle around and he stumbles across a very 1980s-esque biker gang. And I use the term biker gang loosely because <laughs> these were just guys wearing denim and leather. And the one guy stops him and is like, oh, you got your little bike? He's like, oh, can I ride your bike? Ends up breaking the little clown's tricycle. And he gets sad. And you're like, well, hey, he was just riding his tricycle. Little clown jumps up out of frame, comes back in with boxing gloves. And <laughs> the cheesiness of this line and, and the payoff. <laughs> he looks at the guy and goes, oh, what are you going to do? Knock my block off? Well, that's exactly what this little clown does. He punches him so hard, he decapitates him. It is... Oh, and I was wrong. The little clown is in the convenience store or drugstore with the taller of the... One of the taller of the clowns, so... Okay, yeah. <laughs> See, there's things I forget and things I remember about this movie, even though I've seen it so much. There's little things you tend to forget. It's, it's sort of a, a comedy of errors when they're in the drugstore. So we've progressed through. The clowns have taken so many people hostage. Dave and Mike eventually get Debbie back because she's attacked in her apartment by these clown heads on snake-like bodies. I don't know if this is like their their larval form before they fully fully mature. <laughs> But there's these like snake tentacles with these clown heads that come out of her hamper and they all stem from the popcorn. They come from the popcorn. <laughs> she takes a shower. We see nothing. There's no nudity in the movie. 
I mean, you can kind of see through the one girl's nightgown before she gets trapped in cotton candy or a balloon when she's getting pizza, but... For an 80s film, it's kind of funny there's no movie, but the tone of this is very 1950s sci-fi horror. Very reminiscent of, like, The Blob and stuff like that. And as I talk about it, here comes the biker scene right now. <laughs> so Debbie's back with Dave and Mike. They're going through. No, I apologize. Debbie gets captured by the clowns. She's not back with them yet. That happens later. She gets captured by the clowns who are able to mimic Mike's voice, apparently. They can mimic voices. It's not really touched on at any point in the film, and then it just kind of happens, but you go with it. This is the kind of movie you just go with. And I know my review here is kind of all over the place, but like I said, I haven't watched it for like a year or two, so I'm pulling things out of my memory as I'm watching the film here. And we're right in the scene I talked about where the guy breaks the little dude's tricycle and then he gets his head knocked off. So after Debbie's captured, Mike and Dave are going around. They see the Terenzi brothers. They're asking them to help out. They're <laughs> tons of shit going on. But they see one of the, the biggest pieces in this film that I, that I really love, one of, the, one of the best scenes, is this very dark and sinister clown parade they're walking down the street they have this giant machine that's picking up the cotton candy cocoons in the street there's this these streamers everywhere and as a kid I always thought is that like streamers made from like blood because they're these like red these dark red plasticky streamers everywhere it's it's very very uh very evil. The music is is twisted. The whole scene is just like, wow. <laughs> and you can tell they put a lot into getting that scene done with this giant machine vacuum thing that they're running down the street. They have balloons off the back and Debbie's in one of the balloons. So Mike and Dave eventually save Debbie. They go... They end up following the clowns to a shutdown carnival. Now, before they get there, the clowns show up at the carnival, and there's this old security guard there. He looks at him and says, "What are you guys doing here?" And all they do is pull out a bunch of pies. He goes, "What are you going to do with those pies, boys?" They throw the pies at him. The culmination of this scene is. <laughs> They look back, and these pies apparently are acidic to humans. She's nothing more than a pile of what looks like a festering ice cream sundae of whipped cream and chocolate and blood. And the little dude with the green hair, the little clown, the shortest of the bunch, just walks over, plops a giant cherry on top, and they go into the Carnival Funhouse. So we have Dave, Debbie, and Mike enter the funhouse. They're following the clowns, trying to figure out a way to stop them. <laughs> God damn it, I left out a key scene. Dave goes back to the police station at one point. Leaves, I believe, leaves Mike in the car. 
And Mooney has arrested these two guys earlier in the night, these two, like, punk-looking guys for drinking in public. And all they were doing was walking through the quad or walking through the park drinking wine. So Mooney's at the station by himself. And one of the clowns walks in. And Mooney is typical, like, ah, oh, this is bullshit. One of you stupid college kids doing your bullshit, what the fuck ever, blah, blah, blah. So he, put, he cuffs the clown... Puts him in a jail cell with the two guys he busted earlier. And that's where the scene ends. So later on, after Mike and Dave go up to the lover's lane part and see that there's tons of cars covered in cotton candy, Dave goes back to the station looking for Mooney. And he walks down, sees these footprints, follows them down the hall back to where the cells are, and they're just, these footprints are all over the walls, the ceiling, they're everywhere. Different colored footprints. The two, kid, the two college kids that were busted, they're now in cotton candy cocoons. And you see one of their arms kind of slink out. So Dave's like, okay, this is, this is fucked up. He leaves the cells, goes back to the front of the station, trying to call for help. And notices Mooney is sitting at his desk. Or he notices a clown is sitting at his desk. The clown turns around to face Dave. And he's got Officer Mooney as a fucking ventriloquist puppet. John Vernon has <laughs> a twistedly creepy ventriloquist puppet. Just two lines of blood trickling from the corners of his mouth to make it look like, you know, the jaw is like the old ventriloquist puppets they had. And he say, look, all we want to do is kill you. So the clown stands up and Dave starts just shooting from his his revolver at him. Does nothing. These clowns are basically unstoppable. Until Dave decides, I'm going to shoot that big red fucking nose on your face. And the clown's nose explodes into a cloud of glitter. Starts spinning around with, I think they used rotoscoping animation for this. And explodes. So Dave has found the weakness. We catch up to where we were. Now we fast forward. They're in the fun house. They're fine. They're tracking these guys down. They've shot some of the other clowns in the nose at this point. But then, <laughs> then, one of the greatest effects that comes through, and I'll talk about the effects after I'm done talking about the plot. They come across Clownzilla, essentially, is what this creature is named by the Kyotos. And it's this giant fucking killer clown who's on these strings like a giant puppet. And they're trying to figure out a way to fight it. Dave's out of ammunition, so he can't shoot it. So they're fighting, trying to run away. There's the other clowns coming after them. The Terenzi brothers end up crashing their goddamn ice cream truck through the side of this fun house which this fun house is kind of like the TARDIS and Doctor Who it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside but that's the kind of movie we're in whatever the Terenzi's crash in shit blows up Dave is in the clown of in the hand of Clownzilla in the clown of Handzilla yeah cause that makes fucking sense right decides to pull off his badge and use the pin on the back he pops the nose of Clownzilla. 
Clownzilla dies. Everyone gets out. They see the clowns go back to their spaceship. It takes off. It blows up in the sky. <laughs> and the ending scene, as they're looking up at this explosion, they're covered in whipped cream and whatever else. So it's like, that's acidic shit, so they're all just going to die, I assume. So that's where it ends. And it's it's a fun movie. It's definitely a love letter to those 1950s films. Those creature feature, you know, ridiculous, kind of funny. Like The Blob. Like The Blob essentially is... I, this very much feels like the old version of The Blob to me. Just an updated version in the 80s. But the same kind of feel to it. And right now I'm watching a scene of a guy get run off a road... And that scene was actually supposed to be earlier in the film because that's the guy, Joe Lombardo. I think that was Joe Lombardo. Yeah, that's Joe Lombardo that gets run off the road by one of the clowns. But I want to talk about the creatures in this film, the look of the actual killer clowns. Now, the Kyotos worked in uh, makeup effects. Before this, they had worked on, and I'm going to look it up here and tell you what some of the stuff they've done. Because, of course, I don't prepare when I'm doing shows on the fly. So I'm going to find out right now as I Google them. Alright. So they did puppet and effects on Critters, Ernest Scared Stupid, Team America World Police. They did the Large Marge scene in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. They did some of the stuff for dioramas and that in Dinner for Schmucks, which was that Steve Carell movie from a few years back. So they've, they've done a lot of stuff. And you can kind of see, when you look at some of the clowns here and Killer Clowns from Outer Space, you can kind of see where some of that stuff was reused or the style was used again in 1991 for Ernest Scared Stupid. But the look of the clowns, it's different than, than anything I had seen because they don't look like people. They look like creatures who just happen to look like Earth's version of clowns, which is very much what they were going for. And just the animatronics in the face, the expressions they were to get, the, the mouths opening for laughter, the, the eyebrows moving and the eyes moving around, it's, it's all really great stuff. I mean, really, really great stuff. The popcorn guns they created, I think, were, like they said, sparklets, water bottles that they repurposed with some other stuff. They used, like, foam balls for buttons. I mean, they they did so much with so little. And it all works. It all really works out. Uh, like I said, the, the top thing is are the creature effects on the killer clowns themselves. I mean, you can... This is really where the Kyoto shine in this film. And everything. The set design for the, the circus tent spaceship, the props that they created, they're all great. They all work. There's nothing where you can be like, oh, well, that just looks like, uh, you know, a water bottle with a spray-painted blue or whatever. You can't really tell. They, they did so much to change the conventional looks of things that you may have noticed to look more alien and clown-like and cartoonish that it it really it really works. I said this is one of my favorite movies, not just cuz the story is so reminiscent of those old 50s horror movies like I I really enjoyed the original Blob. 
And nothing against the 80s remake, because I love that one even more, because the gore level is off the charts. Oh, excuse me. We're going to get another drink here, because my mouth is dry and I just burped. And it's all staying in for you lovely, lovely people who support and listen. I wish that was a cold beer, but water's just fine. So yeah, I really enjoy this film. It's fun. Like I said, I enjoy the aesthetic of those old 50s creature feature sci-fi films. And this very much is in that same vein, just done in 1988. The Kyotos knew exactly the vibe they were going for, and they nailed it. They nailed it. And I forgot to talk, because I'm looking on the screen right now. There's a, a brilliant scene with one of the clowns. He gets off a bus at this bus stop, and there's a group of people standing around waiting for a bus. And this clown starts doing shadow puppets. And they're very... The animation on the puppets is great, because the clown's just moving his fingers a certain way. And there's, you know, a bunny rabbit. There's... Let me click over here so I can actually see what's happening. You can see that there's a... <laughs> there was a belly dancer type woman. There's George Washington crossing the river with the boat full of other people. Eventually the payoff is he turns the shadow puppet into this like dinosaur looking creature. Like a T-Rex kind of thing. Uh, here's the... Here's the belly dancer chick, and everybody's just in awe of what's going on. Oh, these shadow puppets are great. They're, they're clapping and, yeah, laughing and having a good old time. And then all of a sudden, the clown decides, hey, well, I got your attention. Laughs sinisterly, <laughs> shows his nasty rotten teeth, and turns the shadow puppet into a giant-headed T-Rex. And eats all the people that were there. Now, what's funny is whatever alien magic or whatever they use, this clown used to do that, he has the people in his hand and then opens his, you know, uh, bag, which is full of popcorn. And you just see him placing whatever's in his hands down in there, which I'm assuming is the dead people, which apparently were eaten by the dinosaur shadow puppet and turned small. I really don't know. They may have been turned into popcorn for all I know. <laughs> it's such a fun scene. These people are so intrigued that he's like... <laughs> and they have laughs like that. The, the laughs on these things. The distortion of the voices. They never speak. They just laugh. And maybe kind of go... All sorts of weird noises. I'm not doing it justice, but... If you have not seen killer clowns from outer space and you're a horror fan or you like those old sci-fi horror films or you like horror comedy sci-fi films this is definitely one you should check out uh, i think i actually did recommend it as a cult classic recommend back towards the beginning of the show it's one that i've wanted to review and i decided you know what i got the house all to myself today let's do it so it, it comes as a high 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 recommend from me it's fun. Like I said, I found it in the early to mid-90s on HBO, and I've loved it ever since. And this is coming from a guy who hates clowns. 
despises them. Clowns scare me. And these clowns don't. I know they're aliens. I know exactly what's going on with them. Clowns in real life? No telling what the fuck is going on underneath all that pancake and grease paint. It's fucked up. But anyway, check out Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It is definitely, definitely more than 100% Skewered Universe approved. It's a fun time, and I really think you guys should watch it. Alright, well that's going to do it for this episode of the Skewered Universe podcast. I hope you enjoyed my uh, <laughs> musings on Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And my talk in the beginning about the Marvel Netflix shows. So I know this is a little bit shorter than usual. We're running about 44, 45 minutes here. But I don't have any more to talk about the movie. But coming up soon, I'm going to release a transmissions episode coming up soon. Talking about what I think of what I've seen so far to that point of season three of Jessica Jones. Because I'm really excited to get into that. And like I said, July 4th weekend, I'll be back in California. Skewered Universe Studio A. Or Studio Prime, if you will. And I'll have a little something for you guys there. So until then, why don't y'all just keep on enjoying that universe that's just a bit skewered. Find the podcast at skeweruniversepodcast.podbean.com It's also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Search for Skewered Universe Podcast. Contact the show by emailing us at skeweruniversepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at skeweru, Facebook at the Skewered Universe group page and Instagram at skewered underscore universe.